No matter how degenerate a culture becomes, God can bring good out of it. God's plans cannot be thwarted by human sin. That's right. God has incorporated human sin to be included in his master plans. This is Bob Boyd. And Jerry Boyd. This is Issues in Education. In Matthew eleven twenty three, Jesus said, get this, if the miracles performed in Capernaum had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. So no matter how degenerate Sodom had been, they could still have been saved according to the great Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look at our degenerate culture, we may think it's over, and yet we don't see what God is doing in our country. With God, all things are possible. Pastor Carter Conlon is the senior pastor at the Times Square Church in New York City, and he gave this insightful sermon called, If Sodom Had Miracles. Jesus Christ said, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. This is Jesus Christ speaking. The gospel, if it had been preached with power and supernatural signs following, if it had been in Sodom, Sodom would have been spared and would still have been standing 2,000 years later. There was 2,000 and I think 11 years or so between Abraham and Jesus. Sodom would still have been standing. With all of its depravity, when we think of Sodom, we wonder if any society could be more wicked than Sodom was. They were sexually degraded and depraved. When we think of Sodom, we we wonder if any society could become more wicked than Sodom. Yet it still appears that they could have been reached, they could have repented, and they could have been changed if miracles had been in Sodom. Isn't that amazing? Think of it for a moment. When we think of Sodom, we think of a society that was unreachable. It's so depraved that they were trying to rape angels. I mean, this is where they had gotten to, but they could have been reached. Jesus said, if the mighty works done in Capernaum had been done in Sodom, they would still be standing 2,000 years later. You know, I've been reading the Bible for years and never seen that. It just hit me one day like a ton of bricks. You are the Christ who was there, and you're making a statement that almost beggars description. Could any society have been more depraved than Sodom? The men were so depraved that they wanted to rape two angels. Yes, our culture is degenerate, with drag queens dancing in front of young children and confusing them about transgenderism. Schools don't teach academics very well, but they sure tell children they can be a boy or girl, whatever they want to be. Confusing children with godless evolution, denying God's role in creation. That's a sin. That's a huge sin. It was in Capernaum that the centurion's servant was healed. They didn't even have to be in the same room with a sick person. Jesus just simply spoke, and the centurion's servant was healed. It was in Capernaum that Peter's mother-in-law was healed. It was in Capernaum that some people let down a man who was paralyzed through the roof where Jesus was. It was in Capernaum that Jesus raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. And how many teenagers need to be raised from a place of spiritual death in our generation? How many teenagers in our country, in this generation, need to be raised from spiritual death? We need Jesus to do some of those miracles here today. Sodom did have a witness in Abraham's nephew named Lot. Now, Sodom had a potential testimony in it because there was a man who was related to Abraham, who was the father of faith, and he was in that particular city, he and his wife and two daughters, we know at least. But he was a weak man, and his testimony was compromised. He couldn't speak to the people because he was too intermixed in the society that he was in. The Bible says that he was vexed at the conversation of the wicked, but not vexed enough to separate himself 
from it and become a testimony of the reality and the goodness of God. Sodom had no miracles nor a good witness from Lot who had become part of the culture of that day. But we have millions of transformed Christians who are living miracles who have become new creatures in Christ. If any man is in Christ, any person is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old things in our lives pass away and behold, all things become new. This is, in a sense, our calling to allow the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, to change us from what we used to be into what God says we now are. If Sodom had had miracles in it, it would have been spared. Too many of God's people have too much like the world around them. It's time to make the break. Lot couldn't do it. Too many of God's people today have trouble making the break from our materialistic culture to live as righteous people of God, to be living witnesses. God has entrusted us with eternal souls. Jesus said, you have keys to the kingdom of heaven, and we have the gospel and the Holy Spirit to save souls from an eternal hell. So when you look at people, just have that heart that Christ has for them. We're secure as believers in Christ. To be absent from this body, we're going to be present with the Lord. Thank God for that. Thank God. But there are probably somewhere in the vicinity of 8 million people in the greater New York area that don't have that assurance. To be absent from the body, they're going to be absent from the Lord, absent from the presence of God for all of eternity in a place that is so mind-bendingly painful and dark that we can't even comprehend it. If Sodom had had miracles in it, it would have been spared even to this day. Sometimes even the future of a city or or the longevity of a city is directly tied to the people of God that are in it. As Pastor Carter Conlon said, the longevity of a city is directly tied to the people of God that live in that city. Have you ever considered that the cities we live in only survive because of the great mercy and patience of our loving God. Genesis 18, it says, The Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they've done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then they turned from there, the two angels, and went towards Sodom. We've been listening to Pastor Conlon, Senior Pastor of the Times Square Church in New York City. So God sent two very powerful angels to go into the city of Sodom. The two angels don't have wings, but look like two good-looking young men. They're materialized angels. Pastor Tim Delena, also a senior pastor at the Times Square Church in New York City, gave this very powerful sermon entitled, I Never Saw It Coming. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, speaking to the angels, now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. They chose to spend the night in the city of Sodom rather than in Lot's house. That's how bad Lot is spiritually. The Bible says, yet he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. He prepared a feast for them, and they ate. Lot and his family are in the middle of a meal with angels, and the Bible says the men of Sodom surrounded the house, young and old, and they called to Lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may have relations with them. They wanted to rape angels. But Lot went out to them and said, please, my brothers... Don't act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with men. Let me bring them out to you. And you do whatever you would like, only do nothing to these men. Can anybody even comprehend this? 
Look at this. This is how messed up this man is. Look at this now. Inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. Now, verse 9, look at this now. But they said, stand aside. So they pressed hard against Lot, came near to break down the door. The angels reached out their hands, brought Lot into the house with them, shut the door, struck the men who were at the doorway of the house, all the sodomites, and brought blindness on them, small and great. So they wearied themselves just to find the doorway. The two men, angels, said to Lot, whom else have you have here? He said, I have a son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whoever you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry has become so great from the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, look at this urgency. Get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting to be kidding around. He can't even speak with urgency. But when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot and said, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Obviously, the sons didn't even go. And you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. He hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. And I love this part. For the compassion of the Lord was upon him. Oh my goodness. The first thing that he did with these sodomite men, I would have just said, let him go. Let Lot perish with all of them. But the compassion of the Lord, the compassion of God is greater than even all of our stupidity and foolishness. God's compassion I thank God for his compassion. And they brought him out of the city where all of us would have left him in the city. When they had brought him outside, escape for your life. Don't look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Look at Lot's response. But Lot said, oh no, my Lord. I'm going, what is wrong with this man? Oh no, my lords. Now he's negotiating. I cannot escape to the mountains for the disaster will overtake me and I will die. Now behold, there's a town that's near. Please let me escape there that my life may be saved. And he said to him, I grant you this request of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape. I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, Lot came to Zoar. And then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities and all the valleys and the inhabitants of the cities. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst. Don't miss that last part. Lot was rescued because a man started to pray for his nephew. Don't miss this. I want to draw your attention to some disturbing things about Lot, his family. The Bible says in verse 1, he's sitting at the gate of Sodom. That's a governmental word, which means he is in the thick of making decisions in that city, which could mean that Lot is part of the problem if he's sitting in the gate government decisions were made in the gate. Secondly, when the men of the city come to his house and want to rape angels, instead Lot offers his daughters for their treachery. When he wants his sons-in-law to flee the city and they think he's joking, maybe he's never spoken with an urgency or with a soberness to his own sons-in-law, maybe even about how to be a husband to his daughters. They think he's joking. That means his own sons-in-law have died. Lot hesitates on obeying the clear command of God to escape for your life. Angels are telling him flee and Lot is negotiating with angels about a new neighborhood he should be going to. 
And finally, I didn't even want to read. It is the bottom of this whole chapter. It's Lot and his two daughters, the only three that are left. Lot and his two daughters are in a cave in Zoar. Lot has an incestual relationship with his daughters. And the incest is so catastrophic, Lot's daughters give birth, ready for this, to two of Israel's immortal enemies. That comes out of incest. Born on that day was Moab and Ammon. They're always fighting the Moabites, always fighting the Ammonites. Lot is a train wreck. After reading this horrible chapter of the Old Testament, Genesis 19, what adjective would you put before Lot's name? To describe Lot, what would you say about him? What would be that descriptive word? Sinful Lot, horrible Lot, wicked Lot. Corrupt, detestable, depraved lot, reprobate lot. The Holy Spirit will give us the worst and darkest narratives of people's lives to show us the amazing grace and the transformative power of God. It is as if God brings out the black velvet before he puts the diamond on it. You can't see the diamond unless you have the black velvet to put it against. When God wants you to see how he can deliver out of pain, he doesn't just give you a person going through a painful season. He gives you Job and says, can any of us in one day face the loss of 10 children? You become homeless, lose your fortune and lose your health all in one day. And then all of a sudden, God slides that black velvet before he puts the diamond. And then 42 chapters later, you see a man who finds himself back in the presence of God, the restoration of God, and God going, I can take you through the darkest seasons of your life. How about those abuse from your family? God goes, let me give you a story about a 17-year-old boy named Joseph on how he was abused by his own brothers, wanted to kill him just for sharing a dream, and then sold into slavery. Who knew what could have happened to him while well, he was thrown into slavery as a 17-year-old boy? That God raises Joseph up to second in charge of a kingdom. And when he has the power to retaliate and give revenge, God says, here comes the diamond. I'm going to show you how to forgive your enemies when you have the chance to retaliate against them. Only God can do that. God takes the man who's responsible for many murders of good people. In fact, not just good people, but Christian people. His name was Saul, but God goes, hold on. A diamond is coming in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. I'm going to take a murderer of Christians and I'm going to change his life. I'm going to take a murderer and make him an evangelist. I'm going to take a murderer and have him write most of the New Testament. I'm going to take a man that you would think we would give up on, that you would have put a bunch of adjectives in front of his name, murderer Saul, deplorable Saul. And God goes, who would have thought that one day you'll call him the Apostle Paul? And God can take the past and do something. The Bible gives us people's extreme sin stories to show us how amazing God's grace really is. Folks, make no mistake about it. This church sits here today because of one of those extreme stories. Who would have thought 
that God would take the most notorious gang member of New York City named Nicky Cruz, send a preacher from the hills of Pennsylvania named David Wilkerson, Nicky Cruz responsible for many deaths and much violence in New York City, and God goes, I'm going to put a call upon him. Nicky Cruz is not going to be a gang member. Just when you wanted to give up on him, I'm going to put upon him evangelist. I'm going to put upon him godly man. I'm going to do something in his life. It's nothing but the amazing grace of God. All of us have experienced the amazing grace of God. And then God slips in Genesis 19. Oh, that's a low chapter. Lot is one of those extreme stories. I never thought of him that way until I found a treasure in 2 Peter chapter 2. In between Genesis 19 and 2 Peter chapter 2, you really have nothing said of Lot except two little moments in Psalms called the children of Lot or Jesus called it the days of Lot. That's it. We have no other story that's there. So after Genesis 19, we basically get nothing until a treasure box shows up in 2 Peter chapter 2. Folks, I have to show you what took my breath away. It's 2 Peter chapter 2. Lot's name comes up in an unexpected way. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to it. And if God rescued Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Do you remember descriptive words for Lot after reading Genesis 19? Deplorable, reprobate, reprehensible, sinner, ungodly. Did you see the three treasures in 2 Peter chapter 2? This is what the Bible says. Righteous Lot, righteous man, righteous soul. You may be shocked. That's why you're looking at me like you are. Anybody shocked like me? Righteous Lot? Seriously? I never saw this coming. There was no on-ramp in between Lot's Genesis story and the New Testament of 2 Peter. No gradual turning of this man. How do you go from a foolish man to a righteous man? I have only one answer. God. Only God can take Genesis 19 and make you a righteous man. Only God can take you from Sodom and Gomorrah and rescue you and make you a righteous man. I, I never would have assigned righteous to his name, righteous Lot. I, I shouted when I read this, I go, are you kidding me? When I read the story of Lot, trust me, I never read Genesis 19 and go, oh, righteous Lot. Thank God I'm not God. And thank God you're not God. I judge people too fast. It's easy to put adjectives in front of people's names that God has never given. Let's just be honest. Lot would have been canceled by the church by the first two verses. Think of it. He's in the gate. He's offering his daughters. He isn't taken seriously, causing the deaths of his sons-in-law. He hesitated on the command of God, negotiates with angels and the finale of incest with his daughters. And then Peter tells this story about Lot and tells us why it's important. Peter says that God rescues righteous Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah and reminds us that if God rescued this man, 
the Lord knows how to rescue us from temptation. Listen to it. If, the Bible says, if he rescued righteous Lot. I can't believe he said that. If he rescued righteous Lot. Because I would have left him there. I would have said, uh-uh, you can't go. Burn the whole place down. But if he rescued righteous Lot, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. But here's the part that gets me, that just floored me. I never saw it coming. That Lot didn't become righteous after Sodom, but he was called righteous while he was in Sodom. I don't even understand that. You can argue all you want. It's there in the scripture. I was waiting for this conversion moment. And God goes, no, 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 no. Lot's righteousness was during this horrible time while he was living in the city. This is not about an unsaved man that becomes a... This is not about a Christian brother that even got stuck in a bad situation. This is about a gracious God who knows how to rescue his messed up kids. That's what this is about. This is God knowing how to rescue his children when they've totally messed up their lives. Lot chose to live in Sodom. Lot not only chose Sodom, but chose to be in leadership, chose to sit in the gate. And despite all of this, God shows off his graciousness by rescuing him. God didn't rescue a man that had something unfortunate happen to him. God rescued a man who really made a foolish decision. God never gave up on Lot. Why? His grace is amazing and his patience is even shocking at times. God's patience with you and with me, it's shocking. His grace is amazing. This is what God calls Lot, righteous man, righteous soul, righteous Lot. How great is our God. God is bigger than the wickedest city in human history because God is love, because God is patient. He calls Lot righteous. Righteous has nothing to do with our perfection, but God's view of us. It's God's imputed righteousness. I think Lot should have perished in the fire of Sodom, but God didn't think so. This story blew my mind. God is good, God is great, and God is generous. How can you call him righteous lot, a righteous soul, and a righteous man? It's because God is great. You rescued lot, you're amazing. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Even if you messed your life up, he remains faithful for us. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God I serve. That's the kind of God I love. That's the kind of God I know. That's the kind of God I believe in. That's the kind of God that can set us free today. That's the God that comes no matter what you've done. God has come to set you free today. Hallelujah. Wow, what preaching. We've been listening to the impassioned preaching of Pastor Tim Delena of the Times Square Church in New York City. For people who say that they're going to heaven because their good will outweigh their bad or because they're a good person, according to God, no one is good enough. That's why we need the one who is good. Only Jesus Christ, God himself, can give you salvation based on your faith in him. That's so true. And people try to make it to heaven on their own works. Uh, Nobody can make it to heaven on their own good works. Or that they're a good person. It's like, oh. 
And that's why this story of Lot in Genesis 19 is so important, because it shows a man who would give his two daughters over to the Sodomites, a man who had an incestuous relationship with his daughters. He was sinful, but God rescued Lot, not because Lot was good, but because God is good. Peter denied even knowing Jesus, but Jesus rescued Peter to become the leader of God's church and change the world. David was an adulterer and murderer, but God transformed David to become a man after God's own heart. Jesus Christ loved us so much that he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross, and then Jesus forgave the Roman soldiers who hammered in the spikes in his wrists and legs. Why does God do it? It's not because anyone is good enough, but to show his infinite love and mercy that God demonstrates unimaginable forgiveness and love to show you your salvation is his free gift to you. All you have to do is accept it, embrace it, and love our Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he will take you to paradise to live forever with him. If you would like a CD copy of today's inspirational program, please ask for number 1810, The Grace and Mercy of God. That's number 1810, The Grace and Mercy of God. You can order a CD copy of this program from our website. Our website is issuesineducation.org. That's issuesineducation.org. And please do give us a call at 928-776-0000. That's 928-776-0000. From Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved through faith. And this salvation is not of yourself, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, so that no one can boast. For Issues in Education, this has been Bob and Jerry Boyd.